Alright guys, welcome to another episode of Peace, Love, and Meat. We wanted to take a couple of minutes here before we dive into the episode to shout out and thank you to the companies that have partnered with us over the course of this thing for the last handful of months that have you know graciously offered some cool stuff for you guys and really are just friends of ours that make cool stuff and we want to share it and they help you know share what we do too and it's very symbiotic it's very organic and we just love that kind of relationship with companies it's the most natural yeah right like it's it's not a forced this this segment brought to you by and a lot of that stuff it's just like we have friends that make cool stuff we want to share it with you guys so we had a couple of minutes here we wanted to make sure we get all that info out to you before we jump into this episode yeah make sure that you're checking out bornprimitive.com check out all their collections they have the fireside collection which is great flannels jeans jackets check out the born primitive outdoor line which is what i'm wearing in this video if you can see it i have pretty much gone soft most videos you'll most videos you'll see us wearing one of the items out for sure collection. and in lieu of uh, in lieu of camouflage i really have kind of melded into the solids i'll wear camo when needed whitetail stuff but the born primitive idea was so somebody didn't have to blow money on you know something they're going to wear to a dinner or the store or the bar and then turn around and have to buy camo also i mean i've killed things wearing solids some of the best killers in the world are wearing born primitive outdoor solids when they're on their hunts. So check it out. It's super effective. It's a quality layering system from the base layer all the way to the outer shell. They've got it down. Lightweight, heavyweight gear. Cannot beat born primitive outdoor. Owned by a seal, founded by a vision, and just really, really great line of products. And if you sign up for the email, you're going to save some cash when you buy. And then uh, we also want to mention our buddy Drew Kohlhofer mm. over at Selway Archery. Uh, both of us have quivers that he has made. They do all kinds. They do plastic hood quivers. They do rawhide. The um, one that I have is a rawhide one that he also does custom laser engraving on. If you send like uh, any kind of design or image or something that you want engraved on them, they, they can do this awesome laser engraving on the rawhide. It just makes it look awesome. I have the Nomad Strength logo that he put on mine. But that one really came about more because Drew is awesome. Yeah. And not only that, I mean, he makes awesome stuff, but there's there's been, I, I make the joke all the time that there's been a handful of stepbrothers did we just become best friends moments that I've had with him over the course of the last year of getting to know him. Yep. Um, but just everything they do about running that company is for as long as they have. They're just good people. And, uh, I mean, true, like, American small business mindset, right? Like, yeah. they make awesome stuff, and there's good values behind it. And we wanted to share that because they make awesome stuff, and we love it. Yeah, and they do so much. The coal offers and, and Selway do so much for, I mean, if you look at anybody in the traditional archery spectrum with the podcast or anything, they're offering support, they're offering to share, they're offering to help. And that is just an example of who they are as people. So, like we said, we never want to try to inundate you with product. We never want to try to inundate you with, hey, we got this sponsor and this sponsor and this sponsor. I would rather tell you, hey, these are our friends. They make great stuff that we personally use and have used, and we want to share that. So, thank you, Drew. Thank you, Kurt, Mike Hearn over at Born Primitive uh, for really setting this up and making it go. Guys, check them out. They support us. You support us. Can't thank you enough. All right, 
What's up, guys? We are back. Peace, Love, and Meat podcast, episode 44. Ross and I just finished a podcast unrecorded, talking about all the things that's been going on lately and uh, catching up on some some stuff. But pretty productive uh, couple of weeks for both of us. Um, had a very successful hunt, but that's going to be talked about next week. Um, still haven't put the details out of that online yet. So just a really cool hunt all the way around. Uh, you had a hunt. We'll talk about that a little bit. Not productive. <laughs> Not productive. Um, <laughs> you know, I had a, a high target area, so there's a lot of a lot of hogs around and such. So, but anyway, um, there at the very end of our kind of pre-convo chat, we were uh, talking about Spotify, and one of my biggest issues. So every year, I find it interesting. I do love the data that Spotify collects at the end of the year. You know, it, it yeah, shows. I mean, what's I'm not proud of this is like, because I'm trying, it's kind of cool that it just organically happens. But last year it said, I listened to over 6,000 new artists. Um, that's cool. Yeah. And that's like, good, yeah, I like that stat, you know, and the fact about that is I drive so much and even, you know, in just like a localized area, I'm in my truck 75 to 200 miles a day, like just no matter what. So I get three to four hours of listening time just in my truck. When I train, I listen to music. When I shoot my bow, I listen to music. So Spotify, for the last few years, has just been an integral part of my system, you know, kind of the way that I yeah. operate. And I love music, you know, like I'm very heavily addicted to music. So yeah. the problem that I'm having with Spotify right now is I cannot understand how a person who listens to 6,000 new artists and... I don't remember how many new songs of the 6,000 artists, because it does that too. It was like 20 something thousand yeah. new songs. <laughs> yep. So that's, you know, a little three to four s- songs per band, new band or whatever. Mm-hmm. The same fucking songs <laughs> and artists are on every yep. playlist I have. And I was telling you, so I was listening to a, a rap list when I was training, Kevin Gates, song one. Uh, Lil Wayne song two, Young Dolph song three, song four is Rainbow Kitten Surprise. You know, <laughs> killer band, got some awesome stuff. But how in the hell does a whatever Rainbow Kitten Surprise is? Check them out; they're pretty cool. Um, Cocaine Jesus is the song that kind of got me hooked on them. But I don't know how they fit. But that's one example of over and <laughs> it's over the and same over formula. It's the same formula every time. Yeah, it, like, it's it, frustrating it, me because it's like. Yeah that is one of the things that I enjoy most is like having a, just a like playlist going. And then you hear a banger that you haven't heard in a while, you know, and that's hard for me because I listen to so much and I am the complete opposite now, like the opposite end of the spectrum where I never hear a new song, you know, do you ever go through that with Spotify or any of your stuff? Like do you, or do you ever get tired of stuff? Um, yes. So yes, definitely get tired of stuff. But what I've noticed when I have, cause I, I like to, obviously I've done it a few that I've sent to you. I like to make my own playlist. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that since like burning CDs was a thing. Yeah. Remember, like that was my thing. Like I, I would curate CDs <laughs> and playlists for people and burn dozens I was of copies guy. to give to people. Yeah. I was that guy too. And, and, uh, but what I've noticed on Spotify is you can do like if I have like my early seventies rock playlist or whatever mm-hmm. that one that I've sent seventy you. to seventy five is so good, dude. Which by the way, I'm I'm looking at it right now. After you posted it, 
I have like 50 something people that have followed that playlist. <laughs> I'm like, one. all right, there we go. That's a good one. Uh, but there's a, a setting on the Spotify playlist where you can turn it on and it'll do like every half dozen or maybe three, every three to six songs, something like that. It'll throw in a recommendation based on that playlist. Oh, okay. And so it's kind of like a smart addition or whatever. Okay. So it's kind of like you, you have your playlist that's, you know, if it's this one, it's all the same genre. It's all the same yeah. time period. Right. But maybe I like forgot one, or maybe there's one within there that would be a good ad. The Spotify thing will recommend one based on what's in that playlist. Oh, that's money. And so like, if you have, you know, your, your training rap playlist or whatever, and you turn that setting on, then the recommendations you'll get, and they're not a ton of them. It's like every four songs or something like that. Yeah. But you'll get a recommendation that's based off of the music in that playlist. Yeah. So I've found a lot more stuff with that than just the made for you playlist thing. That's all the curious stuff. Like even the even the new releases playlist that they come out with. That's the you know and the made for you thing. Yeah. You know, new releases you might like. Even that I'm just like, eh. I mean, are you loving a lot of new music though? You know what? Uh, there's three or four bands that are kind of in this similar genre. And maybe it's just because I'm liking this, this particular subset of rock lately. Mm -hmm. Um, but the band tiger cub, yeah, that's what I'm asking about. How about, about said tiger pussy, but it was tiger cub. I was <laughs> yeah, like, that's a different that's thing. Band, tiger pussy that's a different band. band. <laughs> uh, but Tiger Cub, mm -hmm. and then there's a couple of other bands that do that same kind of music, and they all have great names, too. Yeah. Like, all the band names are awesome. Um, but uh, Nothing But Thieves, mm -hmm. I really like. Uh, there's But there's, like, a handful that aren't even really new, because Tiger Cub has been around for, like, five or six years. But, like, I, there's not new stuff that's like, oh, there's this new artist that this is their debut album. Free, like, I haven't found one in years yeah. that I'm like this dude rips yeah. like usually when I find somebody it's like they've already got three or four albums and I just never heard of them before. Yeah. You know, I mean, I used to be an album store guy, like, you know, a record store guy, like on release yeah. day, um, CD yeah. central in Lexington, they're, they're like a, a cultural icon for music. You know, they have really great mm -hmm. records, uh, cool mm -hmm. shop, cool vibe, 50 years old, whatever. And, mm -hmm. um, I remember I would go to release days there, you know, and I went when, uh, Tyler released that, the album with house fire and everything on it. I um, Yeah. 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 So that was the one where I was doing the cross dressing for the promotion of it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right. And, uh, but anyway, that was funny, but you know, stood in line for it, dude, I haven't seen a record and even Tyler stuff. Like that's no knock on him. I just, you know, when people blow up a little bit like that and it, it begins, it becomes crazy. You know, when I got that first album of Tyler's, um, you know, I was, probably one of 15 in line. Yeah. Then the gospel album comes out and there's like 150 people in line. It's just a different yeah. thing for me. Like when, when stars or people become stars, it changes the dynamic. Cause it's, yeah, you know, totally. it's a little different. It does. So turbo wolf. Yeah. That was another one. That's a kick. Turbo name. wolf is one. Uh, Cleopatric. <laughs> if you've ever heard Cleopatric, they're really good. Uh, they're a lot like if you've ever listened to highly suspect. Yeah. Yeah. They're a lot like right. highly suspect. It's just two dudes, and I think they're brothers. Yeah, because all their album covers, they're all, or either that or they're best friends their whole life. Because 
all of their album covers are old '90s grain pictures of them with their eyes with the like oh, redacted yeah. blacked outline. Yeah, and it's like all their childhood pictures are all their album covers. <laughs> the two of them were like four years old, and then it has their eyes. It's blacked so out. badass. Like, it's good. It's good. I, but I've always yeah, wanted. They're to, really good. I've got a couple of pictures of myself uh, with some some pretty rugged dudes. And definitely had my eyes blacked in a couple of those photos hanging on some pretty, pretty rough walls, but uh, right. no, that's a, that's a cool mark. I like that. That's Yeah, awesome. they're good. So what we need to do, cause we have the, we have the peace, love and meat playlist yeah. that's on Spotify. And I think, I don't know, maybe I know I created it, but maybe I didn't add you in to be able to put stuff into it, but I can do it that. Goes. Bank accounts, um, everything else. Sorry, yeah. I just left you off, Brandon. My bad. <laughs> We'll work it out. I'll pay you. Moving I'll on. Pay you a stipend. <laughs> um, but it's there's there's maybe like 15 songs on it right now. But we should do this since we're doing this episode uh, after this. Like, go throw some of this new stuff in or whatever that we've been listening to too, because yeah. that's a good way for me to hear new things too. Um, do you have so? What's like your? I mean, I guess I probably can answer this for you unless it's something I'm not thinking of, but what's like your come back home go to doesn't matter what is going on, what time of day it is or whatever. If you just like hear one song of it come through, you're like, okay, I'm going to just go. And now I'm in this mode for the rest of the day. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's one of a couple. So I am definitely a mood driver. (laughs) Like, uh, a lot of times when it's early, I kind of like, so the wherever I may roam, I've put that in my stories a lot of times, especially when I'm mm-hmm. traveling, because I equate emotions or feelings to things. And a lot of times when I'm going out somewhere, for me, that is the difference in my success and everyone else. Like it's two o'clock mm. in the morning, I'm fucking going. So yeah, wherever I roam, this song fires me up and it's a, you know, it's a kind of a, a symbolic point as well. But mm-hmm. like it's hard to beat that song at two o'clock in the morning. You know, the right. other side of that <laughs> right. is uh, Midnight Rider. That's another one. It's kind of like you're just running from everything. And I've lived that life. I've been that guy. So that song's got a high, lot of like sentimental memory, kind of wind in my face memories. Yep. Um, but then on the other end of it, like there's a lot of times, a lot of times, uh, Towns Van Zant. I'll just get on a rip with him. Mm-hmm. And that'll lead into the Blaze Foley's, the Chris Christopherson's, the Waylands. It all circles around. Um, yep. One of the cooler things that I've been finding out about is uh, Shel Silverstein's influence into music. So he wrote oh. he wrote way more blues for Waylon. He wrote almost the entire catalog with Doctor Hook. Um, oh, crazy! Yeah, he partied with uh, Chris Christopherson, Willie, and those guys, um, and really encouraged them on wordplay. In, in their music, some of the more clever style songs. Yeah. A uh, lot of experiments. That's cool. Yeah. A lot of experimentation with mushrooms, acid. So like yeah. he was the, he was the, like the conductor, the semiconductor for this, like without him, there is no outlaws movement. Like those guys were still stuck in their, like, you know, their nudie suits, like Nashville style. Shell Silverstein yeah. comes around. He's like, what's up, guys? Let's party. Let's do some mind expansion shit. Let's figure it out. Let's play words, you know? And just That's started crazy. writing songs with them. And uh, because he wanted to be a he wanted to be a musician, kind of like Manson. Right. You know, Manson hung out with yeah. musicians because that's what he wanted to do. Silverstein yeah. wanted to be a musician more than a poet and a writer. 
So there's some really, really cool music history there. A lot of old Nashville is tied to Shel Silverstein, which is weird. That's super cool. <laughs> yeah. It is weird because you think of just uh, the only thing anybody thinks of, obviously, is just all of his children's poems books. Check this out. <laughs> like, right here, buddy. The Light in the oh, Attic. That's my light dad. Light in the Attic. It's my dad. That's awesome. <laughs> Uncanny. Yeah. And then hold on. Hold on. Look right here. Boom. That's my favorite one. The man. The sidewalk ends. Yeah, dude. Yep. He's such a, well, you know, kind of a case in point. Back mm-hmm. of the book, sitting with a guitar. Looks like you. Yeah, a that's lot. my dad. That's <laughs> my dad. Actually, my dad is probably my mom's old boss. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Welcome to the world, Brandon. No, so, so get this. My brothers are uh, like super fair-skinned, blonde-haired. Mm-hmm. Light sandy brown hair, you know, and then uh, mm-hmm. my dad is kind of like he's five nine ten, and yeah, like light. Or he's got brown hair, I guess. <laughs> my mom's dad is, or my mom's boss was six three, and looked mm-hmm. like Saddam Hussein. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you. I don't know. I don't know. Thank God some of my dad's baby pictures look like me, or I'd, I'd really be serious about it. But I've definitely brought that up at the dinner table a few times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that's funny. Do you have, uh, I mean, so that means you're probably just naturally one of the bigger ones, anyways, right? Dude, I'm the biggest. Um, <laughs> Is there any like generations back? Is there nah, any? It's for that's- real. So I'm on my dad's side, no. Mom, on, yeah. on my mom's side, there's some hoss cats. So, yeah. My papa was a big man, um, not not super tall. He was probably six feet, but he was kind of mm-hmm. one of those guys, just broad backed, you know, farmed when he was younger, labored all his mm-hmm. life, um, you know, kind of that belly, that country boy belly. Um, yep, a little bigger than it should have been, a lot bigger actually. But he was not a fat man other than that abdominal belly. <laughs> and then his dad, Rube, big Rube, um, that's one of the biggest men I've ever met. So he was, um, he was probably six, three, six, four might be stretching it tall, tall, Mm -hmm. but he looked like Yosemite Sam. His back looked like it was four and a half feet long and his legs were like two feet. (laughs) He, uh, he really did. Like he looked abnormally disproportionate and I'm the same way. I'm longer from my waist point to my shoulder than I am from my waist point to my feet, but not like, not like him. So anyway, um, his ring, I think I told you this before, he, he wore a size 15 ring. Yes, you yeah. did tell me that. So mm-hmm. he, uh, just a huge, huge hand, because he's a carpenter, you know, back in the 20s, 30s, mm-hmm. 40s, whatever. Um, yeah, well, probably not the 20s, probably 30s and 40s, but just, mm-hmm. a, just a hard laboring farming man. And uh, <laughs> dude, nobody looks like this. Nobody had the black beard. Nobody. No, nah, no, nah, there's something going on. Mom was, mom That's was scandalous. Funny. That's funny. Uh, my, she would literally dad, die if she heard me say that on a podcast. So <laughs> sorry. My, my mom's dad was like probably that to me. I mean, he was big, he was big dude anyways, but he seemed like the biggest dude on the planet yeah. when I was younger. He was, he was like kind of same. He was like six, three ish, six, two, six, three. Um, but when I was young, he got, he was really big, like obese, but he was back in the, um, sixties. He was a Marine 
And I think I, I can't remember if I sent you pictures of him before, but looks like James Dean in the sixties, just like chiseled jaw yeah. and super lean and ripped and stuff was in Marine. And then he got really big. He had, had an accident and got really big after that, after a bunch of surgeries and stuff, he ended up getting the lap band when I was like a teenager and got way thinner again and was like really healthy. But I remember when he was, when he was really big, it was like a thing where, it, I mean, he was, it was wide. It wasn't just like front, yeah, yeah. front belly coming out. Like he was wide, but it was like hitting a brick wall. Mm -hmm. Literally. I don't understand how it was possible because it would be like a game that we like all the grandkids and cousins would play. We're like we'd run full speed at him to see if we could even move him. Yeah. And like, it would literally like knock the wind out of the kids hitting this man's stomach. That was like hitting a wall and all, it was just huge belly. Yeah. And I'm like, there's no way that this is physically, I don't understand how you can flex <laughs> this wide of a, of a circumference. Like I don't get it, but circumferential my, uh, expansion, sir. Thank you. Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> and, uh, and my mom always tells a story like all of her, cousins when they were growing up, like when he was starting to get big, but he was still like just built, but he was starting to get thicker. All the kids would do the same thing. Like they'd run up to him and try and punch him in the stomach as hard as they could. And he would just stand there. And, and like, it was a game, like literally everybody would go punch uncle Larry yeah. and just like as hard, like the boys would like crow hop and wind up and they're just like breaking fingers <laughs> and like sprain and wrists and everybody's walking away crying. They're like 13 year, 14 years old when they're doing this to yeah. him still. <laughs> I'm just like, it doesn't physically make sense that this is possible. Did you ever, uh, did you ever buck up on your dad through high school or anything? Not really. Yeah. He had, and I, I would have, but when I was, so I could, so I'll say this when I was a freshman in high school, he, so he blew out his knees like when he was like 19. Whip him like, when he's total, down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go right for his wheels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let it kick some he, but, but he never got it. it. It like blew out both ACLs basically when he was in high school and never, that wasn't a fix back then, yeah. you know? Didn't pay. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, uh, but when we were on a, we were on a cruise when I was a freshman we did like a Caribbean cruise is like a whole family and cousins and stuff went on this cruise and we're in like literally the second day we're down there, we're in Barbados and we're doing this like sea turtle swim thing. We're getting back onto the boat after coming out of the water and he slips and knee just cranks over. And he, I tell you what, man, he toughed it out and like did the whole, he was literally we were there for eight days down in the Caribbean for eight days. This happened on day two and we played 18 rounds of golf, like a couple days later. And he's just like trucking through it, come back. And he's like, they go to do his, uh, they go to do his MRIs or whatever. And they're like, dude, you're like bone on bone. There's no ligaments. There's no meniscus. Like there's nothing. So they did like this whole, they didn't reconstruct it, but they did a whole ACL repair yeah. and some other stuff in there. So he was pretty like, it got, he got back to the point where he's working out and doing stuff again. But like during that time I could have, but it, I would have been a real jerk yeah. of a son if I was going to start like taking him on. Then. So I was, I was lifting pretty, pretty seriously at this point. I was 18 uh, senior year of high school is when I started lifting pretty hard. And this might've been over the summer or right at the beginning of school for my freshman year of college. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was feeling pretty froggy. I was like 235 pretty pretty damn jacked like i was not fat i was very lean because we were getting ready to start our season for throws yeah. so i was very lean 235 and i was benching 405 uh for 
one and an assisted second, I think. Um, yep. You know, squatting, raw squatting 550 for three uh, to four maybe. So anyway, I was a strong, strong kid. And I walked in one day and I'd, I'd been running my mouth. I've been jawing at my mom <laughs> for something. And, you know, me and her would go back and forth a little bit. Not bad, just bullshitting really. But anyway, my dad walks in and I guess she'd relayed the message and I walked by him and he show, he like looks at me and said, bodybuilder. So I kind of, I like walked by him and kind of like, I just bumped him as I walked by. I didn't turn my shoulder and he yeah. didn't turn his. Well, I just kind of bumped into him. That man grabbed the back of my neck and put me <laughs> down on the ground so fast and like skidded my face on the carpet. I had like, it wasn't a carpet burn, but it was like carpet right. red. Like yep. I had been there, you know? And I just could not believe, because I'd, you know, I'd wrestled around a little bit, and I'd been in some, a couple fights. I had never, ever, ever felt a hand grab me like that. Like, <laughs> and I'll tell you this, my dad, one time, he was, uh, now I'm getting the story mixed up, because I can't remember if it was me or my brother. Two of us were pretty pretty rough, and the other one was yeah. an angel. So anyway... <laughs> one of us because i was there is that the youngest one the youngest of the no, so they're twins but the one that was born uh four minutes later is the the angel the baby of course and of course. me and the middle kid are, are pretty rough so for different reasons but we're both rough anyway one of us i can't remember had said some stuff to to my mom and when my dad got home we all sat down he said that is my wife mm-hmm. she's your mom mm-hmm <laughs> And her being my wife was my choice. You happened. You know, it was one of those. So I was like, all right, all right. But he was like, I will go to the end of the earth yeah. for my wife. And it was like, my bad, Dad. Like, my bad. But, man, I don't understand that. Like, I've never acquired the old man strength that I witnessed, you know, in old men. Yeah. Like, right. even though I was lifting, like, I was strong. But, dude, I would yeah. shake, like, Mason Rodas guy that I used to set Mm -hmm. tobacco with old skinny son of a bitch. But when he would grab your hand, Mm -hmm. you're like, you're biting your teeth just till he lets go. Cause it hurt. And it wasn't him being an asshole. That's just how he shook hands. Yep. Do you have any of like, do you remember any of that stuff when you were a kid? Like just somebody blowing your mind, like old, like the other thing, it's not old man strength. It's like old man knowledge. Because I remember we got one of the first DVD players and my dad, Zero electronic knowledge. The little laser was like, <laughs> so it wasn't like fixing itself yeah. or correcting. Yeah. So here we go. Dad's got the top off the thing. He's down there. He's soldering yep. stuff. He's moving things around. <laughs> Next thing I know, we're watching uh, Goldeneye on DVD. And uh, it's like, how'd you do that? He's like, I just looked at it and figured it out. And it's like, I can't do that. What what knowledge did I miss that allowed me to do that stuff? You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. My dad can probably mm-hmm. do everything. Yeah, probably. Seriously. Probably. My my dad similarly was the same with a lot of the electronic stuff growing up. Like yeah. and and it's funny because now he's he's gotten to the point where like he knows what he knows. Yeah. That's you know what I mean? And like <laughs> the stuff that's now, he's like, I don't need that's I don't need any of that. Like I got what works, I'm good. Yeah. And but I remember like when all that same stuff was coming out growing up, he was like the he was the computer guy that yeah. I knew. But he was like, he wasn't, but he was, you know what I mean? You know how to start an email? (laughs) (laughs) But there was a, there's a couple of guys that I knew growing up 
and I lived in, you know, like farming country, mm-hmm. you know, so everybody's dad and grandpas were farmers mm-hmm. and, and everything like that. So there's a lot of those farm strength guys. And one of them was, uh, he was our lifting teacher and it was called body D body development mm-hmm. class in high school. And, uh, he is now, I think he's right around 70, early seventies. But when I was there, you know, like he was in his fifties. Yeah. Um, but I'd never seen somebody in their fifties, even at that point in my life, look the way he looked from a fitness perspective, yeah. like, cause around where I was, you know, 40, 50, 60 year old farmers all kind of look the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what he did too. Like he was still a farmer, but he was a teacher and a coach and all that kind of stuff. And he was like, uh, he was a wrestler. He actually just got inducted, I believe just a couple years ago, maybe into the national high school wrestling hall of fame. Um, you have to be a fucking goat. he's unreal yeah. dude. And his son. So, okay. We're going to go on a tangent here Good. for a second. He had two sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them went to West point to wrestle for a little while. The other one wrestled at Nebraska for all four years. Decent. Um, that one's youngest son right now is in the U 20 mm-hmm. division and has never lost a match. And he has been in, this summer he went to Poland. He went to uh, Argentina mm-hmm. or Brazil. One of those two, big, huge, right. like worldwide meets, um, and has never lost a match yeah. in his life. And like is and is on the fast track for like Olympic wrestling. Yeah, and uh, he, and he's unbelievable. But this this the this guy's grandson. Yeah, the youngest of the grandsons. All the older ones were freaks and everything too but the youngest one comes along yeah. and it's like okay this one's got even something else yeah. you know which was pretty cool um but he always had the great the, like the image that i have two images of him and one of them's a funny story i'll tell too but he always used to do this number yeah. here and like flex his forearm muscle down yeah. and it literally looked like a softball coming oh, yeah. out the side of his arm and he used to do this thing to us in class where and this was obviously a different time uh, and in a different part of the country too, because yeah. their places even at the time wouldn't have flown what he was what he was doing. But he'd get guys that were football players or wrestlers, and not very much often wrestlers, but just punks that would act up that were athletes. So he knew he could do it to them. Yeah, and he'd literally like souffle them over and literally drop that forearm right into their cheekbone and like grind it on them. Yeah, and be like, that's enough. Yeah. And, and like, every, like the forearm from him was what everybody feared yeah. basically. Like he could pull that off and it was great. And the other thing was hilarious. One summer we had this big, huge field, hay field behind my parents' house. And there's a wheel line that goes all the way across that him and my best friend's dad used to be the ones that watered and farmed it. Mm-hmm. And they were all gone at a baseball tournament one weekend. So they asked me to be the one to move the wheel line. And, uh, and so I'm like, yeah, no problem. I'll get up uh, doing it like 530 in the morning during the summer, go out to move it. And the thing with the wheel line is the engine's in the middle, mm-hmm. but you have to keep both ends moving at the same time. So the one end doesn't get too far ahead. And then you end up bending yep. one of the pipes. That's well, that's exactly what happened to me when I was doing it. And it pinched it all the way shut. And it was such an old wheel line. We're talking like 30 years old. Like the bolt on the top is just Rust. rusted yeah. over. And it's like, it's one of those ones that's like three inch diameter <laughs> bolts, yeah. right? And like, he was the only one I knew that was in town and he lives like a mile away from me. So I call him up and I'm like, can you please come help me with this? Like, I can't figure out what to do. He comes over 
and he comes out and it's summer morning. He's wearing like his skin tight Wrangler jeans and a, and his huge belt buckle and like a skin tight white t-shirt with like the cuff links rolled up. Yeah. And he's just like, I mean, it's just skin tight, everything. And he's just jacked as all get out. Yeah. Right. He's wearing his cowboy hat and his sunglasses and he gets out and he's got a big three foot long, like wrench. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's carrying it over his shoulder like this, just walking out towards me. He's like, what happened? And I'm like, I just let the one end get too far in front of the other pinch the thing shut. And I don't have anything to get this out. Cause there was a replacement section of pipe at the edge of the field. Yeah. So he's like, all right. So he throws the wrench over the bolt and like tightens it down. And he goes like the over under grip on yeah. it. And there was like a three second interval of time where every muscle in his upper body was flexing to break this thing off. Yeah. And it was like, the, it was the most muscular I've ever seen a human in my yeah. life. And it literally looked like Arnold standing there, like with the cutoff thing in Predator when he's just, you know what I mean? And he yells out, he he gives like one little yell. It was kind of like what his, his thing was that we all knew. He just goes, suck! And he just busted the whole thing off. And like the whole thing like shattered in the air. Like like shards of this rusted old bolt are flying into the air. He just breaks that thing off. And then he takes his hand and just like hand cranks the rest of it off. And I'm like, that was probably one of the most impressive things I've yeah. ever seen in my entire life. I remember, it was wild. I remember walking into... Uh... I mean, do you think that had any pivotal play in like your physicality or your pursuit? Oh, he for sure did. Yeah. He 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 specifically did because he was the first older guy that made like showed me how important training was. Mm-hmm. Like from because I had because everybody else at that up to that point and even into high school, everybody else that had anything to do with training is what were my coaches that weren't guys that were lifters. Yeah. Like they were just coaches that ran the lifting sessions and stuff like that, you yeah. know, but he was, I was like, dude, that kind of stuff makes me want to train hard so I can be like this, mm-hmm. you know, like he was really kind of the first one person. I mean, first person that I knew yeah. like that, you know? Well, I remember when I was a kid, um, my uncle Mike and his brother, Tony, um, they, he, Mike married into the family. So his brother was not related necessarily. So anyway, they were lifting. I thought they were just like, I thought they were like the Barbarian Brothers. You remember them back in the eighties? Like, that's that's kind of what they struck me as because, you know, my babysitter was Mike's mom, so I got and Mike and my aunt they lived upstairs in an apartment, and then it was kind of like a triplex. They had two apartments upstairs, and then the downstairs was the house. Yeah. And so I would see like their routine, like they would get up and they would drink their protein and eat their eggs and do all this stuff. And they were jacked. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, probably, I don't know, 210, 215 pounds, six feet tall, but like shredded, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So they take me to the gym and I just remember walking in there and it was like, it was like a scene from pumping iron, but also like if, if somebody described what they what I saw at this age to me now in a gym, I wouldn't believe it. Like I would be like, they yeah. planned it that way. Yep. So you walk in. It was Sipple's, Sipple's Gym, which was also interesting because the only chiropractor within 20 miles was Sipple's Chiropractic. So <laughs> they were like, we keep our clients uh, strong until they need us. And that was right. you know, one of those deals. So I walk in and it's like this blue collar haven. Like it's a really nice gym, but kind of kind of dungeony. But there's a whole mm-hmm. row of windows down the side behind me. There's a whole row of windows down the end. So the sunlight's coming in. And it's like these dudes are, are wearing like uh, 
what are those pants called? The one, the Zubas, the Zubas oh, pants. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're wearing those. They're wearing like blue jeans that got oil stains on them. You know, they've been to work. And all of these dudes, much like you said, they're either like in a super tight T-shirt or some kind of thing, and they're all training super hard, and the weights they were moving looked massive. So they had these hanging heavy bags, and there's like three guys standing around just wailing on them. And I was like, can I hit it? And I reared back, and I mean, these guys are – they're moving the heavy bag. They're not hitting it friendly. So I rear back and I hit it. And I thought I broke my whole arm like instantly. So I look at these guys mm-hmm. like right after that. And I'm like, they're gods. They're gods. But everybody in that mm-hmm. gym, and I'll say this is true of this town. Um, everybody in that gym was serious and looked the part. The yeah. first gym that I started training at was called Total Fitness. We had an NPC national level competitor named Glenn Adkins that trained there. And when I walked in the door, I was considered a big guy. And when I saw Glenn, I mean, he's like 240 pounds, ripped, bodybuilder, mm-hmm. national level, mm-hmm. just phenomenal. But again, this is a gym where like, not every person, but I would say 80% of the people benched over 315. 80% wow. or probably 60% of the people hit 405. There were mm-hmm. seven people that did not train powerlifting that benched over 500. Tim Sparks. He was a guy that took 565 feet on the bench. He was a guy that had like a foot and a half arms and a big mm-hmm. wide belly, but he would have been mm-hmm. like a bench specialist. Never competed, never did anything. I saw him do 630 in the gym, but he took, uh, I think it was 565, it's 555 or 65. He brought it down and somebody told a joke or farted or some shit like that. And he started laughing with it on his belly and just sitting there <laughs> laughing, holding it. And then all of a sudden- oh he was like, boys, you're going to kill me. And he laid back and just pressed it. So that was the environment that I grew up in training. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robbie Burns kind of took me under his wing. But, dude, there were so many examples of, like, superior physicality in my life when I was a kid. Yeah. That mm-hmm. it was it was just a non – I mean, between that stuff and Arnold movies and Stallone movies, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. – not to segue out of this conversation, but it's interesting to me that I had clearly defined examples of maybe men I would strive to be, you know, or like, you know, individual characteristics of people that I wanted to be like. I don't think that we have that in modern culture. I don't think we have clearly defined people as heroes. I think we have created heroes into the superhero only genre, you know, like who John wick, but he's not the same type of character. There's like a, there's a vengeance to him, but he's not anything extraordinary. He's just really good with weaponry, you know, like, yeah, he just don't, he doesn't have that physicality, I guess. Like he doesn't look like Rocky or Rambo or, you know, Stallone and Terminator, or I'm sorry, Schwarzenegger and, and Terminator or, you know, commando, that kind of thing. I just, I can't think maybe the rock, but like he's a god awful. I mean, Schwarzenegger and Stallone aren't great actors, but like they're iconic yeah. movies. What iconic movie has The Rock been in? <laughs> they're all the same. Yeah, like, that's what I, that's what I mean. I mean the others are the same too. Meme, but it's there's like, a meme I saw not not too long ago that's like a four grid picture of him and on a, like scenes from his movies, and uh, and he's wearing like he's in like a jungle environment. He's wearing like an olive drab colored like button up shirt and it's kind of like unbuttoned like the first couple buttons at the top 
and he's got like sweat and he's got that glean in his eye or whatever. And it's four pictures of that exact same thing. And the caption is like, would you believe that these are four different movies that this is? is?" Like it's literally the same shirt, the same environment, the same look. And it's just four different movies, but it's the same movie. Yeah. Well, he's an interesting. But even even the superheroes now, though, don't look like those guys in the eighties, like the superhero actors, like even Hemsworth, yeah. like who you could argue is like the biggest in terms of being the most jacked of the ones that are now mm. doesn't look like what Stallone and Carl Weathers and all those guys from dude, the eighties look like. You know what I mean? That dude was amazing. Like he's awesome. He was a phenomenal athlete. I mean, Chubbs. Yeah. <laughs> <Touché. laughs> but uh you know it's just like stallone became the icon but you know without him there isn't without apollo there is no rocky you know yeah. but like yeah how crazy is that that he was just i mean he, he could have been a bodybuilder really if he'd have just put some mm-hmm. size on he was amazing mm-hmm. but honestly i'm trying to think of now but he doesn't do any I think it's just because he does a lot too much of the comedy stuff at this point or has done it to be any kind of superhero type of thing. But I'm trying to think of like the most Jack now is probably like Terry Crews. Yeah. Like he's huge. Yeah. And would and I think is maybe in that same style of build as a lot of those a lot of those where he's just big shoulders, big chest, like ripped kind of thing. He would be hilarious superhero. Okay, technical difficulties. Hopefully, aside, I believe we're. Yeah, I had to delete now. fifty twelve-year-old files on my computer. So, <laughs> saving those for a rainy day. Of course, when Bert calls me here in a minute and's like, "Hey, I need those files." I need those. I haven't needed them in seven years. But do you happen to have an extra? <laughs> That'll um, be my luck. I literally told you that. That'll be my luck. <laughs> we need that file from January of twenty sixteen. Uh, circling back on this real quick because I've been trying to find the other band that. I've been listening to that was in that same kind of tiger cub turbo wolf, mm-hmm. uh, the messenger birds. Awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's yeah, another, yeah. so there's a great band called the future birds. Um, oh. Jamie Shira's, uh, I think Jamie, I don't know if he knows them or went to school with them or just kind of like has followed mm-hmm. them from very, very early on. That's a good one. They got a great song called rodeo. Um, and then I've been listening to, a lot of this band, um, <clears throat> they're kind of weird. So Dope Lemon, have you heard of them? Yeah, you sent me some stuff. Yeah, they're, they're just kind of like stony, I don't know what you call it, just kind of stony, melodic, weird beats. But yeah. I love Dope Lemon. Um, yeah. But their lead singer, he did the big jet plane with Post Malone. Remember uh, that song? Oh, dude, did you see him do the Alice in Chains cover on yeah, Stern? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was good. Yeah. Yep. But this is, uh, so this is um, August and Julius, or Angus and Julia Stone. Hmm. I'm going to play this part of this song, but it's just like, this is the vibe when I'm driving a lot that, that I'm kind of looking for. But this song's awesome. Yeah. I think you'd like... But they just got such a cool like rhythm with their voices. 
kind of modest mousy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let you hear him sing and then we'll cut it off. But it's pretty cool. Good driving music. Oh yeah. Kind of citizen cope too. Yep. That's good. But that's uh, that's kind of the vibe I'm looking for when I'm driving, <laughs> like enjoying the drive. Like when yeah. I want to get somewhere, I have to get somewhere. It's a little bit more of that rap beat and that yep. like metal. Yep. But when I'm just driving, that's the kind of shit I'm looking for. Um, I added a couple of those into the, the one Sweet. playlist. All Them Witches. Yeah, I'll do. All Them Witches. You, I know you and I have gone back and forth about yep. them. Yeah, they're great. There's a band called Kyuss, K-Y-U-S-S. Yes. Um, yep. They've got some really good stuff, they're too. They're good, too. Um, oh, what was the other thing I was going to – I don't remember. Uh, but we'll add some stuff into this playlist now that we're talking about it more. Um, what I think would be really cool to, to see it evolve to is kind of like, um, my, my brand and Lily three playlist that I've put out because mm -hmm. really, again, I've told you, I'm not super technical savvy, but I was like, you know what? I just want one place for all the songs that I love. Yep. So it, when I go on that playlist and I haven't added stuff to it in a couple of years, COVID kind of killed that. But, um, when I was adding stuff to it, it, it just became such a diverse, Mm -hmm. playlist it's yeah. like it's 30 hours long or so nice. so that's one that i can go to and, and i'm going to hear stuff that i like but i don't necessarily hit the same yeah. songs over and over and over but yeah it'd be cool if i mean i would love to blow people away with just the variety of music on it like they're sitting there jamming to something mellow and then something heavy or whatever comes on so dinosaur pile up another mm -hmm. one great name dinosaur well. jr dinosaur jr is good yeah, uh, they might be giants. You ever listen to them? Yeah, those yeah. are they are good. They are good. Rain Wolf, that's a staple. Dude, oh, that one's pretty funny. Uh, I know I've sent you some stuff of him uh, before, but when I first discovered who he was, it was actually almost 10 years ago now because I was still in college, maybe a little bit longer. Um, My buddy of mine, who at the time lived in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. uh, he's up in Seattle now, but went to high school with him. Good buddy of mine. He was in San Francisco. Sounds like a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, uh, he, he kind of, we have this relationship where he'll go see some show and tell me about the opener instead of like who mm -hmm. he saw yeah. that, you yeah. know what I mean? And he was at this bar and he texted me like the next morning and he goes, dude, I got the guy for you. I go, okay. And he goes, I was at this bar because we had friends that were playing in this band that were actually opening up for Jordan, who is Rainwolf. And mm -hmm. he goes, and he came on and it was just him. He has a guitar and he does like the, he brought out a drum set, but he does like the kick drum thing while he plays guitar. Yeah. And he does like the real gritty, like distorted blues stuff. So it's not like the folky Mumford and Sons kick drum yeah. while you're playing yeah. thing. Um, and, but he sits down and he does, he, I mean, he'll play the kit while he's playing his guitar and singing. And he said he played for like two hours and the last like 40 minutes, he came down off the stage and literally just had everyone circle up around him. And there's like 
60 people in this bar at this time because it was like one in the morning. Yep. And he's like, and we got all around him while he's just ripping and singing. And like he said, it was the best, like top three best shows he's ever seen. And like Mm -hmm. 70 people were there for it. And that was before he even had, like all he had released were like two or three singles. Like he hadn't even had his album out yet. Um, yeah. And so I started getting way on to him then because his live performances are like legendary. And he ended up becoming yeah. uh, he ended up becoming signed to Ben Shepard's label, who ended up producing his album. Ben Shepard was the bass player for Soundgarden, mm-hmm. and uh, he ended up finding him and bringing him down to Seattle because he's Canadian. Bring yeah. him down to Seattle and help him get produced and all that kind of stuff. So now he's a lot bigger and does like festivals and stuff, but dude, yeah. that, that was like one of the coolest ones. And then I remember, I think it was Hanse posted a video of him shooting his bow. It's like two or three years ago. And he used a ring oh, yeah. to this day. I've like never heard of anybody who knew who he was that I didn't tell them who he was. So yeah. like Hanse posted that thing. I'm like, did it was like step brothers. Did we just become best friends moment? Yeah. Like it was crazy. So, uh, I was in San Diego one time and, actually had tried to go to a sublime um what's the guy's name that they got now starts the rome rome yeah so there had been a they had a show down there and tried to go like last minute couldn't make it bounced over to this other little like taco bar and it was cool because i walk outside and there's people playing volleyball i don't know if it was a part of this taco bar or what because it was kind of like a, a string of restaurants and stuff so there's people outside playing volleyball. There's like a little courtyard and there's tiki torches set up and everything. So I was like, this is perfect. Water wasn't too far. So I walk in and I'm just down and there's some dude just ripping on a guitar, like unbelievable mm-hmm. ripping on a guitar, not singing, just going to town. And you kind of look over your shoulder and it's like, damn, he's good. And you keep going about your business, had a couple drinks, had some food, ended up, there's a couple guys I was with and we were just shooting the shit. And I finally like eased around and looked at the stage. It's John Frusciat. Um oh, That's cool. <laughs> yeah, but he's you know Red Out Chili Peppers fame. Um, I think that's how you say his name. I'm not sure, but anyway, uh, I never know how to he, say it either. Yeah, that's that's what I think, but who knows? But anyway, that was that was one of those moments where there's you know, it, it's a it's a performance restaurant. Like they always have shows and stuff. So he was just a middle act in the middle of like sequential, like small bands just coming in to play for a set, you know, just trying to get their name out there. And he was just in there practicing stuff, but it was, it was incredible. Um, got to see Vetter in Chicago before a Cubs game, very, very small setting, hundred people, maybe, um, black in that setting in a dark room. One dude was pretty, that was, that is probably one of the the highest musical moments I've ever mm. felt because everybody in there knew the song. Nobody was lit, like singing along. Everybody was like fixed, and it was raw, very very raw. That was one of the big ones. Uh, getting to hear Zach and the boys, Zach Brown and his band, do the acapella warm up. That might be more impressive than their show. That's cool. Because they're that talented. Like yeah. they are that freaking that, talented. That's like the one thing I've heard about them consistently from everybody is just how unreal musicians all of them are. Yeah. Well, shout out to Duncan Butler because uh, Duncan is very, very pivotal to the Sorenex Outdoors, Sorenex family. And like Duncan and Zach both 
for whatever reason, I mean, it has to be Bert, but like for other reasons have continued to just open the door to so many people within our community, um, taking us to shows. I mean, it's just, it's an, it's an experience because I've met a lot of big name musicians, uh, partied with the cult. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that was a wild one, but, uh, you know, you meet these people, the good centers too. Yeah. Partied with the cult. <laughs> and, uh, but they, you know, these big musicians are just so, they can be completely different than what you think. And they can be completely better than what you think. Yeah. Um, I would put Zach in that category. Like Zach is just entirely, insanely generous in just every way. I mean, just some of the stuff I've seen and some of the performances I've seen, it's, it's incredible. Um, what's your, what's your best live show ever? Best in, so I'll, I'll quantify this in two different ways for you. I'll go best as in my favorite, and then I'll go best as in, like, technically what looked and sounded like the best yeah. show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Favorite? I'll, actually, I'll do the other one first. Best sounding and best performance of the whole thing was honestly probably Rob Zombie. Yeah. Okay, I've Dude, seen he, him a few times. He puts on an unreal show, yeah. like just the from the showmanship of everybody in the band, and he actually had Joey Jordison playing drums on him when I saw him, which was Slipknot. unreal. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Joey Jordison. Yeah, no kidding. But he was so fun to watch. Yeah. Um, but just a killer show. And what was really surprising me about that one was that it was an outdoor festival, which are mm -hmm. generally difficult to make sound really good. Yeah, you know, uh, just because open air and like weird layouts and too many people and different times of temp temperatures and all that kind of stuff. Um, but he was closing out on the main stage. He was he was the second to last. I think Corn closed that festival, which was that was a pretty good one too. Yeah, but uh, Rob Zombie was sound like ever John Five's guitar sounded unbelievable, and yeah. like everything was mixed beautifully, and like the whole stage production of it was just like next level stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard similar things and it's not surprising just because of the style of music and the general theme of the music, but I've heard similar Manson. things about Manson and Alice Cooper and yeah. Iron Maiden. Like when they bring oh. out the 30 foot tall Eddie to walk around on the yeah, stage. Yeah. And stuff. Um, but a lot of those guys just from a stage production thing uh, was probably as good as I've ever seen it. I mean, you have to kind of say tool, too, yeah. just because of what goes into those shows from the graphics and the screens and the lasers. And I mean, it's heavy metal Pink Floyd. So it's like, that's yeah. up there too. All yeah. time, all time favorite though. Like I'd probably put it, there's two that I think would maybe be tied for it. One would be, I was 12 and went to go see Aerosmith and show. they were, I mean, Does that get a grip. Or no, you're younger than that. You're way younger yeah. than that. No, that was just them touring. Like that I was, was twelve. Was, I was twelve when Get a Grip came out. There, there wasn't. I don't believe any albums because as I was twelve or thirteen, I was in sixth grade. So I'm in yeah. twelve. So six, I mean, this was two thousand four. Yeah. So if there was an album that came out around then, I don't remember. But I don't know that there was. But yeah. that one was. I mean, Steven Tyler could get it. Yeah, and yeah. he did. And then the other one 
just from favorite experiences probably would have been one of the one of the seven dust shows honestly just because they're such a good live performance and i have this i have this weird thing where i was going to ask you this too because i have bands that like i love that i've never seen Mm -hmm. that i don't know if i want to see at this point in their career yeah oh yeah you know it'll disappoint you like, and not even, I mean, from the sound, I mean, like, just cause I know maybe, you know, they're older, they don't sound as good. Yeah. And I, some of those guys can still sound great and I'm sure it would still be a great show, but there's a couple where I'm like, I know I probably don't want to see them at this yeah. point. I think honestly, Pearl Jam might be in that category for me. Yeah. Cause yeah. I know that Eddie still sounds good, but it doesn't sound like what I, you know, the yeah, raspiness, yeah. the grittiness that they used to yeah. have. Um, but I will tell you one that I haven't seen that I'm still as at the top of the list if they come back is Incubus because oh, yeah. those guys killer still show. rip killer it live. Show. They still kill it. Yeah, so I saw them uh, in college, uh, slightly incapacitated or enhanced, I would say. It yeah. was awesome. Um, one of the probably – so Rock on the Range is a big festival in Columbus. Yep. and um, So in one day, I got to see Down – which is Phil Anselmo and, yep. and those guys, um, like a side project of, of his. They were phenomenal, phenomenal. Actually, the picture of me with the bucket hat and the cigarette, yep. Yep. I was at that stage right then. Okay. So I got to know Phil a little bit from running around with Weed Eater, I Hate God, and some of those sludgy um, super joint ritual. Like mm-hmm. that was another Phil Anselmo project that I got to see a few times. Like Ace of Cups in, in uh, Columbus, I saw Weed Eater. And like me, Jason Pegg, and a couple other guys went, and it was like insanely good. Went and partied with those guys afterwards. There's a whole lot of stories from that night that are just insane funny. Um, but anyway, I think down, and then I went to the main stage because they were finishing that night with Zombie and Manson. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get in there before that. Well, Volbeat played before Manson or before yeah. Zombie and Manson. Volbeat was the most unexpected surprise of that entire freaking show. They yeah, absolutely slaughtered yeah. that stage. And that was, you know, and still counting and um, what's the other one? Warriors call were going like yep. their first song, they walked on stage and, you know, lead singers in the back and I'm getting chills thinking about it, but he's like, let's get ready to rumble. And yep. he comes out and they just start shredding fireworks go up. <laughs> what year was this? God, it was when the song was big. Um, I was back there. Oh, seven-ish? Uh, not eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there. So, I mean, in yeah. that proximity. That was also where Bubba Flex played Bury Me With My Guns On. They put on a sideshow stage that was pretty damn good. Um, they ended up doing a lot of covers that day, but they they crushed it. Um, but I think, for me, I can agree with you on Zombie. I've seen him three times and never been disappointed. But Manson was the best show I've ever seen live. I've he was really like unex like I said unexpected about Volbeat. I knew Manson would be a show. Yeah. But he killed it. Yeah. Um that was a good one. I'm trying to think of somebody that's more of like I saw Volbeat per- open for Metallica in 2007. That would have been a good one. It was it was because it was right after um or 2008 because it was right after that album that Metallica did in 2008. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Called. Can't remember the name. Yeah. It was that tour, and it was. Cool. Yeah. Did I tell you about the one that I'm gonna go to in December? No. It's Zach Sabbath. Oh, okay. 
it's literally Zach Wild and uh, oh yeah and, yeah I've heard about and, this and he try and he only do this tour like every three or four years like it's super yeah. infrequent but all he does is travel and play Sabbath covers and yeah. he has like two or three guys and I think it's his drummer from Black Label and then he's in the past had Robert Trujillo play play bass uh, for that's him what I it. thought yeah um, but they're coming and playing like just a bar venue yeah. here in Boise in December and I'm like I've never seen Zach yet large and, human. Oh, but he, have you seen him lately? He, he had looks a, way down. He, I mean, but he looks good because he was yeah. super unhealthy for a long time. With, yeah. I mean, how much he was drinking and doing other stuff. And then he was just big. But yeah. he, he stepped on stage and played with Allison Chains like two weeks ago because he was there watching. Yeah. And they brought him up and he was just ripping on, uh, I can't remember what song they played, maybe Wood. Yeah. And uh, But he's like real lean and like looks fit. I'm like, Good for him, man, because he's yeah. I'm I'm pumped to see him because that would be a sick show. Oh, uh, he's such an icon, really, for like our generation, like one of those last long standing holdouts of like that mm-hmm. generation of rock. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Black label's awesome. Like fire it up and stillborn and all that stuff. I love oh, yeah. it. So well, His, anyway. Uh, before we close, just one more thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna add this on to the playlist, but his Pride and Glory stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Killer. Yeah. Killer. So I'm gonna add that on there. Um Who is your okay, last question. Who yes. is your favorite side project band? Oh. Maybe think on it. I'll think on that because there's, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, because there's a lot. There's a lot. I mean and there's some good ones too, man. If you if you count Perfect Circle as a side project band, right. that's they're up there. Yeah. Dude, I have this dream and this idea that one time, if you started with, and it will never happen because he he's passed away now, but if you started with Van Halen mm-hmm. and then just did all of the, you could create a festival, like a mm-hmm. three-day festival around all of the bands that have spawned from Van Halen, literally like in one-to-one working with. So like if you start with Van Halen and Wolf is playing, you know, yep. like his son, Wolf, Wolfie played bass on Mark Tremonti's solo album. So now you've yep. got Mark Tremonti stuff. You've got Alter Bridge. Then you've got, you've got Creed making a reunion. You've got guys from seven dust that have played with Tremonti. And now you've got all the guys from seven dust and like that have played it. Like, so you could literally create like this. I've done it in my head and I've written yeah. down part of it. You create like this three day festival that culminated with Van Halen at the end. That'd be like the most rad three day rock festival ever. You need to, you need to do that uh, text for peace, love and meat that you sent me about, you got this many bands, build your best festival or whatever. Oh, yeah. We should yeah. do that. That's a good That'd one. That'd be fun. That'd be a fun one. We'll do that next time. Hell yeah. We'll put it up on a poster story or something, too. Yeah. Uh, that'd be before fun. we head out, uh, make sure you guys go sign up for the newsletter. You'll get Born Primitive discount code like right away as a response email for signing up. Um, go check out Born Primitive stuff. We also will probably do some more at the front end to just talk about um, a couple other people that we're starting to work with. Um, Drew at Selway, we're going to be starting to work and do some stuff with him, which we're really excited about. Um, but we'll do some more of that at the front end in case people don't make it all the way to the hour mark on these episodes. I want to give them love at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No doubt. <laughs> but that'll do it for this one, guys. Later. Thanks, guys.